Hey, what's going on there, ass licks? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast. Heading home after a very busy Wednesday. Today's the 13th of June. No, <laughs> July. In the year 2022. Summer's going fast, as you can tell. I don't even know what friggin' month it is. It's going fast. Well, we're enjoying it busy day, helped a bunch of people, told some stories, I got a story I want to share with you, I know I've been silent, a little radio silence for the past uh, couple weeks, at least, we went out to Michigan, we had the freaking time of our lives again, you know when you go out to like your favorite vacation spot, my story, it has to do with that, whether or not we should be friendly, whether or not we should show and practice kindness, whether or not it pays off or we get burnt. You know, I've talked about this on this theme before. I'm a nice guy. I think you all know that, even though I call you ass licks or ass faces or dick wads or whatever like that. I'm just, it's a little self, not self-deprecating humor, a little, little friendly humor. It kind of like means we're on the same team if you're lis- actually listening to this podcast, which I know I don't have a shitload of listeners. You're somebody who's a friend and you know me well enough to realize that I don't, I'm not really calling you an ass lick. I'm trying to get a rise out of you, trying to get you to uh, chuckle a little bit. When I was back in the Marine Corps day, we would call our good friends, you know, even back on the block growing up in New Jersey. You'd berate your friends. You'd give them a hard time. You don't go too far. Well, you can call them an ass lick if you want. Call them a pussy. Hey, what's going on, pussies? Whatever. You know, hey, bitches, what's going on? And if you haven't, you don't have that, if you're not cool like that with your friends, and I don't know if you've really experienced true friendship. Because true friendship it almost requires your, um, you know, degrading your friends in a in a friendly, ribbing type of way. I hope you degrade. If not, don't listen to my podcast. If you're offended, you fucking idiot. Counting cash here. Because, you know, sometimes I have a bunch of cash. Not a bunch, but when I have cash, I don't like when it's in a big fucking... It's unorganized, you know? You look at that, look at your the interior of your car and your console or whatever, and you have a bunch of chains or cash or bubblegum wrappers or discarded condoms or whatever the hell it is you're up to. You got all that stuff in there. It's making me feel untidy. It is untidy and it's unsat, unsatisfactory. 
ones. There you go. Folds in 20s and 10s and 5s and 1s. I like to crease them down the middle. There we go. I'm going to wash my hands because money is dirty, filth, filthy dirty. Yeah. Something so filthy dirty and it symbolizes, you know, there's a value to it, right? I talked about the value relative to that book that I read that I kind of abandoned ship on as I like to do with my books because I'll get so far and then I'll get the basic sense of it and then I take home message. Maybe I like speed read a little bit. Maybe I can explain away by my speed reading a book. I can frame it that way as if I get the big idea and then I'm like, okay, this fucking guy's rambling off. Get to the point already. Alright? What was the book? It was something about um, being smart with money or whatever and they said that money it's actually you know, wealth, money it's actually hours of your time. It's your life energy. We work. We study. We do whatever. Arrive where we arrive in life fiscally, economically. By, hopefully, you know, unless you come into money, you're independently wealthy, which I'm not. Work hard. You get paid, however. And you, you know, spend time. You hear me belly aching sometimes about, oh... Long, long, hard, busy, rewarding day in the office. It is all those things. But it's tough, man. I mean, I fucking had to have my wife bring a stick of deodorant down to the office today because I knew I wasn't going to make it home for lunch. To, uh, you know, whatever. I bring two shirts because I was physically demanding my job. So, anyway. Ramble on. Let me tell you about this story, okay? So, we went out to Michigan. We had a great time. It was everything that I knew it could be. It was everything that it had been for the past four or five years. Visit some family when we go out there. It's the Great Lakes. It's right on a small lake that empties into the bigger um, lake called Lake Makatawa. Smaller lake that dumps into uh, Lake Michigan. It's beautiful and it's, it's picturesque and it's bucolic. It is um, tranquil to me. And to somebody who lives there all the time, it's, it's their hometown. They vacation somewhere else. I asked somebody just that, you know, it's such a beautiful spot. Where do you vacation? They said, oh, I go to, I like to go to Tennessee or North Carolina or whatever. Whatever. Go to Disney, you know, they, they're looking for a different type of thing. That always intrigues me, right? How different people have different settings. And, you know, they go to this beach, you go to Sea Isle, I go to Seaside Heights. You know, you go to the mountains, I go to the beach. You go overseas, I like to stay home. You know what I mean? Talk to a guy today who doesn't do much of anything. He's kind of a nerd. Love the guy. But he doesn't, he's single. And his parents come to visit. Like, every time I talk to him, his parents just came in. And he just seems to be kind of a happy guy, just being a homebody. Well-employed, he's a good guy. I don't know what these people are doing. If they're fighting them, I have to stop and beat the shit out of somebody. Oh, they're smiling. I want to defend that woman's honor. Um, 
So it always intrigues me. But when I go out to Michigan, people say, oh, why are you in Michigan? It's freaking really nice, man. Their motto in Michigan is pure Michigan, you know. So it's a good spot. Enjoy our time out there. But as we're heading out there, it's a 12-hour ride. It's long. It's, it's fucking a little bit painful. 47 years of age. It's painful for me to do 12 hours in one clip. So we stayed over about halfway. We stayed in Ohio. And Pennsylvania's a big-ass state, so it takes like six hours to get across it. So we're crossing Pennsylvania. It's a beautiful afternoon, probably about 5, 6 p.m. We're almost to our halfway point in Youngstown, Ohio. And this big-ass sign says the Pennsylvania Wilds. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Wilds. And I have a friend I serve with in the Marines who lives out that way. State college area, or state college, you would say. Bald Eagle, Blackmoe Shannon State Park. It, it's it's wild out there. A lot of fucking forest, a lot of land, a lot of outdoorsy hunting, you know, down to earth sort of blue collar folk, real people. And um, <clears throat> Pen- to Pennsylvania Wilds. So we're driving down the road, I eighty west. And we see that sign, Pennsylvania Wilds. Welcome. Slow down, it's a little construction up ahead. And you look into the forest, and they're dark and deep, and they've got promises to keep. And I've got miles to go before I sleep. Miles to go before I sleep. Who the hell was that? Robert Frost or something like that? So really beautiful. I'm such a nature lover, freaking nature, and nature freak, that I look into those forests and I'm like, man, this is beautiful. This is wild. I'd like to come out here and camp or at least visit my friend again. But we're driving through it. We stop along I-80, low on gas. We go to this place called Snappies. Now, Snappies, it is a combo of a freaking... Uh, gas station, barbecue, beer store, bait and tackle shop, and there's all these different people, you know, pulled in, you've got uh, folks with, um, you know, SUVs and families and mountain bikes and snail shells on the top, other, uh, you know, those cargo carriers on the top, other vehicles, and then there's some bikers sitting out front eating some barbecue taking it all in a guy pulls in with an IROC Z like a younger guy and he's got a girlfriend in there they got the you know it's a convertible and the biker comes over and says hey man he's admiring the car and you got some jacked up monster truck with rebel flags some local people some workers you know some people just got off a construction site there's all kinds of conglomeration of people that are coming and going in this area, and you're looking, you're thinking about their stories, at least I do, so, we take it all in, we gas up, we take a piss, and we, we, we're on our way, we get back to the um, I-80, making our way back there, we go up this ramp, right around the corner from the gas station, from Snappy's. And there's a small stature of a man waving his arms in front of his truck. I think it was like a Ford Explorer or some sort of SUV. All I know is the guy's waving his arms. It's a beautiful afternoon. 
I don't feel threatened. We're on vacation. The guy needs help. We're damn it, we're the Oberst. We're gonna help. So we pull to the shoulder of the road and slow the vehicle. Come to a stop, and he's. We open up the passenger, talking, talking to us. He says, "Please, I is Middle East, obviously Middle Eastern descent. Please, I don't. Uh, I, I apologize for my poor English. I'm from Dubai. I'm a tourist. I, I have no gas. I have my credit cards not working, or something's got malfunctioning, or you know, limit, or something's wrong with the credit card. I need some cash for gas." I need gas. Okay. Well, in that moment, we had a place to go, so we weren't thinking about, all right, follow us to the gas station, or we'll go get a gas can, or call AAA, or do you have any other means of money? We were just thinking, like, all right, we'll give you 10 bucks, get out, you know, let us help you, you know, feel good about ourselves and get on our way. Pull ten up ten dollars out of the uh, console here. He kind of looks at me in a way like, uh, you know, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Do you have? Can I get a little bit more to fill my tank? That's ten dollars is two gallons of gas these days, right? So we gave him a total of forty dollars. Mandy pulls thirty bucks out of her purse or whatever. Forty bucks total. I still kind of saying, uh, can we do 60? Uh, I'll give you, I use, I'm not a poor man. I'm a very rich man. I'm from Dubai. And he was clean cut, you know, close cropped, black beard, you know, healthy looking guy. And he had chains, gold chains around his neck. And he had a ring and he had a big, you know, fancy looking metal watch with all the articulated you know, like uh, the band, I'd never wear some gaudy shit like that, but I know some people, they like all that stuff, I cannot stand jewelry, I cannot stand adorning myself with this shit, I mean, I'm a happily married man, I don't even wear a, a wedding ring these days, because between my hands-on adjusting people and wood carving, and it just, it doesn't work for me, so, I'll have to be good for my word and not walk around with a wedding ring, piece of jewelry to signify my dedication to my wife. You know? The commitment itself is going to have to speak for itself. And I'll probably put one back on. She drops hints, she might be getting a little pissed about it. Anyway, I don't wear fucking jewelry. So this guy's wearing jewelry. He's looking, he's like, look, I, I'm a very rich man. I'm not a poor man. I, I, I'm in a tough spot. I, can you please give me some money? So we gave him 40 bucks. He asked for, like, a little bit more. He says, can you do 60? I said, bro, get the fuck out of here. Now I'm starting to get a little bit perturbed. He wasn't disrespectful about it, but, like, I felt we had, like, we had done enough, and it's time to go now and take our 40 bucks and, and, you know, make like a dick and beat it. So, he says, thank you, thank you, listen, please, please take something for your kindness. And he... He's like, oh, can you want this ring? Or I can give you this watch. This is a, you know, very expensive watch. Or Listen, man, we don't want your stuff. We don't want your freaking jewelry, man. We want to help. You asked, we're helping. This is what we can do. And he says, and uh, my wife said that. She's like, oh, no. She waved off taking the jewelry. I said, I'll take that ring. So we grabbed the ring, and that's it. See you later. Off we go. And we're talking about as we're driving, we're laughing, carrying on, we're animated, 
about, oh my God, you believe this story, you believe this guy, is he really from Dubai, is he really a tourist, is he, and he said he's a tourist, but my wife thought he said, his name is Torres, he said, he, he said he's a tourist, so we're talking about, well, you know, is he really, is it real, is it a scam, is it what, and it, it, for the next several hours, it, it occupied our time just thinking about this, mulling it over and laughing and you know, if it's a scam, imagine if we asked him for all that jewelry, remember, or, you know, we give him a hundred bucks or whatever, and maybe he gives us that necklace, and, you know, his gaudy-ass watch, and, and we all just drove away, and each of us had a piece of this, you know, this costume jewelry, or whatever it was, but maybe it's real, maybe the watch, maybe the, the ring that I took was worth something, and so we said that when we got to Michigan, to our final destination for vacation, that we would get it appraised. We'd go to a jeweler. And so the first day we got there, we get settled in. I start looking online, jewelers, cash for gold, all that. One cash for gold place that became highly recommended was closed. They're like, oh, we're on vacation for the next week. We'll see you back on the 11th. I'm like, okay. So then I knew there's a jeweler in town. So we go into town and... <laughs> you know, I got to give this jeweler the story, like the uh, short antiques roadshow version of this freaking encounter with the man from Dubai. So, I, young lady, maybe thirties, and uh, very nice. So I said, "Listen, this is what's going on. I'll tell you the story." She was okay. Well, I can get it appraised for a hundred dollars. I said, "Okay. Well, we're already into this for forty dollars. I'm happy with the story. You know, in exchange if it's fake." But if we do $100, it'll be $140. All right. How far do we go with this? She goes, okay, look, I'll, I'll, I'll just do a quick test, and then I'll let you know if it's real gold. If it's real gold, maybe you can get it appraised. We would look at like something like this, and, you know, we would probably just use it for, like, the melt value of what we would melt it down to make something else. I said, oh, you don't like the design? The design, by the way, was, like, said boxing... Championships 2001, 2021. Fucking, I don't know. The guy didn't look like a boxer to me. But he might have been a lightweight, featherweight, I don't know. So, the woman, we say, we say, okay, thanks. You know, she do that for free. So she disappears for like five minutes, comes back. She goes, okay, it looks like it's already starting to not be real gold. The test is an acid test didn't know what that was, she kind of went behind, went in the back to do it, so I was like, alright, well, is this real, or not, but I was still questioning, I was disappointed, Mandy was pissed, but I was like, oh man, you know, we felt scammed, but we were also like, oh, it was a cool story, right, so we're like, oh well, so we go back, we tell Mandy's aunt and uncle and everybody else who would listen about the story, the man from Dubai, now you're hearing it told fucking every patient that came in today, which is like 26, so, uh, I'm sorry if you've already heard it, so we come, we have a great time for that weekend, and we go home, the weekend that we, my wife wanted to get home a little early, Mandy, she wanted to get home on Friday, because on Saturday we had some things to do, Sam had some football stuff, Lily had some cheer, and we also had a community yard sale that she you know, why a few months ago we had a, maybe a month ago, we had a, a yard sale in Hatfield at our cousin's house, 
and yeah, we had a good time. I thought it was gonna be lame, but and it mostly was. But we made hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, something like that, selling various things and getting rid of junk, most importantly. So she sticks me at this yard sale on Sunday, and me and my cousin Chris are sitting there, and. I'm annoyed because it's hot as balls, and we don't. I have other things I want to accomplish, and I hate yard sales. She stuck me there. We're sitting there shooting the shit, and there's all kinds of people coming around for the yard sale. There are normal folks who are just trying to get some bargains. I wrote down a whole like list of different types of people that you'll find at a yard sale. I'm not going to repeat that now, but if you found my, my Facebook buddy, then you'll see this little story, this creative writing story I put together. Some people you encounter. One of them was this guy. Um, he's an old-timer. He's got, like, a hat, and he's got a literal feather in his cap. And he's, like, probably 75, 80, and he hands me, like, a... almost like a... A, a fortune from a fortune cookie sized piece of paper or like one that you'd rip off at the supermarket where it says like you know you know situation wanted or you know whatever you rip off the little frilly piece of paper it's like that and it said you know do you have any of these items he says like I'm going to cut to the chase I don't want to look through all your junk do you have any old instruments uh, you know electronic items uh, old cell phones, military memorabilia. He wants all these things because, and he's, it's his hobby, right, to go around. So I asked him, sir, we're like, what are you doing this for? Like, what are you, what's the best thing you found? Obviously, you're trying to turn a buck. So that one time he got a Martin guitar, which is a very high quality handmade guitar in, in Pennsylvania, made in Pennsylvania. He got it for like 50 bucks and he sold it for like 600. Oh, cool, cool, fine. So I could see why somebody would do that. Next, the guy walks right up to me, and he's a middle-aged guy, kind of has red hair, he had a beard. He says, do you happen to have any old jewelry, maybe a class ring perhaps, or does your wife have any jewelry that she's got sitting around and she wants to get rid of? I said, are you for real? Did, did somebody put you up to this? Somebody relate my story, relay my story to you um, about the man from Dubai. Have you heard about the story? And the guy's like, no, no, we're talking about it. So I had to tell him the same story I'm telling you. I produce the ring, I pull it out of my pocket, and I show him this ring. About the size of a class ring. He goes, oh, okay, cool story. Let's see if it checks out. So he weighs it. He said, I'll give you $840 for this ring. I'm going to do a test, you know, but I mean, if this looks real, so this is real gold, it's $840 worth, which means it's probably worth, you know, $1,600, right? He was going to melt it down and give me that, you know, I was going to make some money. He was going to make some money. That's why he's doing this. He pulled out a Ziploc bag, gallon size full of jewelry, other people's dreams and jewels and engagement rings and bracelets and all kinds of shit. He was looking for gold, silver, diamonds. And he knew enough about it that he would 
He knew what he could get by weighing it, by testing it, by melting it down. He'd sell it probably to somebody else. And I found it so interesting that this guy does this. So he said, I'll give you $840 for this ring. Let me do one more test. So he comes out. He's doing his acid test now. So he goes to the car, pulls out of his bag this dropper, and he takes a little piece of, like, you know what wet, dry sandpaper looks like. It's, like, black, very, very fine. He takes the ring and just scra uh, scrapes it just ever so slightly on this sandpaper, and it makes a line, a golden line. And then he takes this eyedropper and drops a, just a drop of... I think hydrochloric acid or sulfuric acid, something, some acid, and he puts it right on top of that line. And if it's real gold, it's like you're looking through a water droplet at that line. It's you know, clear. It does nothing to the line. The line will persist. If it's fake gold, soft, uh, softer metal or some lesser metal, it will blur the line. It will melt that structure. I don't know why this works, but it's one of the properties of gold um, that it will degrade the, the fake whatever. So he does this right on the grass in front of us with with my ring and basically says, oh, price is going down to nothing <laughs> because it was a fake ring. And so that is the story of the man from Dubai and look at all the the mileage we got out of that for our trip. We'll remember the man from Dubai and this, this knockoff ring that he scanned us with, only for a mere $40. I think it was actually a pretty good trade-off if you consider how much joy and, and suspense and um, the story that we extracted from from this. It's, it's actually tremendous. I did two very good, I think, very lengthy creative writing, you know, posts on Facebook to this effect. The first one about the, the encounter on the road, the man from Dubai, and the second, uh, it related, but it was the, the yard sale observances. Um, a lot of people enjoyed this. So, for 40 bucks, I'd say it's worth it. Now, it'd be awesome if the ring turned out to be worth something, but I... You know, like $800. We, my cousin and I were joking. If it was worth $800, we give $100 to some kids or somebody that comes up to try to buy shit. I'll tell you what, for $800 or for $100, I'll pay to get all this junk off of my lawn. You know, take it away. <laughs> so in that sense, it's funny. I think. Um... And that's the story of the man from Dubai. Half hour's worth. So the ultimate question is, is there a moral prerogative, a moral imperative? Is it, um, should we help people? You get scammed like this, or a few, like maybe a couple months ago, there was a guy, um, there was a, a guy who, I remember I told you he was at the Wawa, sitting on the grass in the heat with two dogs, old dogs, fucking with their eyes all glazed over, looked like they were near death, and the guy had a gallon of water sitting there, and he had tattoos all over his face, he obviously had 
checkered past. And I stopped and inquired what his deal was. And he said that it was, he was saving up for the dogs to get Lyme disease treatment. And God, I mean, talk about tugging on your heartstrings. What do you say to that? You know, what do you say to that? Imagine if I was a vet, maybe I, maybe I could, maybe I could somehow debunk what he was saying, but even then probably not, you know, old dogs care, guy cares about his dogs, he's got nothing, and he still cares his dog, you know, I've imagined him walking the earth with his two dogs, and uh, like they're the best friends, you know, man's best friend, I gave him 20 bucks. Saw other people coming up with dog treats and food and water. Troubled man laying on the grass at a Wawa, panhandling for his dogs. I hope that if those dogs did not have Lyme disease and it was a scam, that the dogs bite his dick off. And I hope that the man from Dubai, that one of those bikers or uh, rednecks or whoever, some even less reputable person along the road takes all of his jewelry and all of his money that he took from other people. It would be okay with me if that happened. I don't wish that on them, but it would be karmic karma, you know, like because it 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 takes something from you. When you go to a, when you slow to a, a red light and you know, you're going down the city, or you're going, you know, at an intersection somewhere, and there's a, you know, a dozen cars in front of you, and then there's some supposed veteran standing on the median with a cardboard sign, you know, need help, need, you know, whatever, some slogan on there. Do you make eye contact with them? Are you looking? Does it put you into a little bit of a, uh, not fight or flight, but an uncomfortable feeling? Because you are trying to, um, because you want to help, but you also don't want to get scammed. If somebody gets in a car accident you're, and you witness it, do you witness a crime? Do you keep going? Do you, you know, flee so that you're not, you know, pulled into some court case as a bystander, you know? Because you wouldn't want to be inconvenienced or go through the trouble, right? This sort of thing, when this happens, I mean, I'm not, I, I told you, I'm happy with, the, with the, the purchase of the $40 ring from the man from Dubai, but in another sense, I feel like maybe we should take that ring, and rather than keeping it around to tell the story, maybe we should beat it with a hammer, or throw it in the gutter, or cast it into a field so that it can, you know, we don't have that, that vibe, that, you know, like, is there an embodiment of that scammer of a man who would stop a family alongside the road. What else is he doing? Who else did he trick? Did he scam? How much money did he make by pulling the scam? You think about that and it makes you pissed. You also wonder whether or not something like this should change you. Like I know everyone listening to this has had somebody panhandle from them before. And many of you would say, I don't give anybody anything. I just keep going, you know, but I know that you're wondering whether or not that's the right thing to do, or, you know, what if somebody really needed help, 
you'd want to be there for them, right? What if you really needed help? It's very, it can be very challenging to distinguish whether or not um, people need help. And another thing is the psychology at work because we were thinking about going on vacation. Like we were, had smiles on our faces and we were going to be in somewhat of a a quasi-paradise sitting on the dock fishing and drinking beer and eating you know, tasty morsels and spending time with family uh, in this beautiful town of Holland. We were on vacation. We are on a different vibe entirely. So we just wanted to go. As much as we wanted to um, you know, we, we, we thought enough for this gentleman to stop and try to help. We also had a place to a destination, so we we didn't want to think too much about. You know, we didn't want to be inconvenienced. We want to get to freaking on vacation, and so forty bucks. I'm not a rich man. I'm not a poor man. I'm a very rich man. But I um, now I at some point, as you guys, I told the story. I just wanted the guy out of my face. You know what I mean? I wanted to go to go on with my journey enough to say, all right, I'm fucking out of here. Girl Scout cookie season, and those little buggers are out there asking, you know, standing in front of the entrance saying, Would you like to support the such and such? What'll I do? What should I do? What should I say? You know, what should my posture be? Should I help? Should I give some money to the cause? Should I buy those freaking nasty cookies and make myself fat? Or um, should I walk by and give them the cold shoulder? You know what I mean? When somebody, when I get to the um, cash the cash register at whatever store and they say, hey, you know, could we take the change? Would you like to take the change and hit from this purchase and donate it to the uh, fucking Boys and Girls Clubs of America? I'll say, no. Fuck you. Sometimes I do say, just like... Um, knee-jerk reaction, I'll be like, no, no thank you, but you look, you feel a little bit callous when you do that, I do, I feel a little bit disappointed in myself, a little bit um, guilty, anyway, interesting story, that's what I got for you for today, I think it's a, I think it's a great story, and again, 40 bucks worth, I'll for gladly pay that to have an experience like this. I was, I w- as a closing note, I will say I was scolded by my, um, by my aunt and uncle because, you know, I'll do shit like that. I'll stop and help people or find myself in situations where, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a big tough guy. Nobody's really going to fuck with me. It's not likely. But if my children were driving somewhere, my wife was going somewhere, would I want them to stop and try to help somebody like this? Maybe putting themselves in a, in a vulnerable situation. How far would it have gone if if that um, if I wasn't in the car? You know? 
It's an interesting question to pose. So ultimately, am I going to change? Am I going to uh, turn away from people who need help in this world and I'm going to be unkind and, and put my guard up? And, um, you know, on some level, I think I will. I, I am vigilant. And I learned in the Marine Corps that you follow keyword love, maintain a low profile, unpredictability, and vigilance. Well, that's a preventing terrorist attacks. You got to keep your guard up a little bit. I did tell the guy to fuck himself or fuck off. Get the fuck out of here. I meant it. You know, drive around with a, bare, a brass knuckles um, trench knife. Pretty cool looking. My buddy uh, Char gave it to me. He has a bunch of these things. He puts them in his like in his um, cutlery block. You know what I mean? Where you have your steak knives, Char has brass knuckles. So it's like a big steel or metal um, sheath that you put your fingers through, and then there's a knife coming out where your thumb is, like you're holding a, a knife, but you're also holding a this knuckle thing, so you, you know, you could do call it all kinds of damage with that. I don't want to have to use that, but, um, you know what I'm saying? Just think about all this stuff, my friends, and be. I don't ultimately want to change. I want to believe that the world is a good place and that people are naturally, are, are innately good on some level. I know that there are folks with various uh, advantages, disadvantages in this disadvantages in this world some people are rich and poor and some people you know whatever but we don't need any more excuses not to trust one another you know um, so I guess I'm going to uh, be a little more guarded having learned this lesson from the man from Dubai and I'd like to tell him to fuck himself alright huh!